Good morning, church family. So I need to talk to you about Rosie. Rosie is a new puppy in my house. Okay? We've had boxers forever. Had to put our last one to sleep. Her name was Kona. Still get choked up even saying her name. We love Kona. Kona was a calm dog. Kona didn't chew things she wasn't supposed to chew. Kona didn't piddle and pee everywhere. I mean, granted, I know puppies do that, but... So I love Rosie, because I know Carrie's watching. Um, <laughs> Ro now, Grant, she is very, she's amazing. She is a great dog. She is a miniature golden doodle, so she's all fluffy and soft. She is a cuddler. Never ever have I had a dog than when you hold her, because she is not satisfied until I pick her up when I come home every day. When I pick her up, and she, if she was like the grandparent or the old lady that would grab your cheeks and kiss you, that she'll get her paws on either side of my neck and, and kisses. So I love, I love Rosie a lot. And she is a puppy, and I know that, and there's time, and maybe she'll outgrow all of this. But there's stuff all over the house. There's toys all over the house, like a kid. And my kids are grown, and, well, they still have stuff all over the house. But... <laughs> So every night, I'm usually the last one to go to bed. I have to kind of make sure I clear a path of all the toys to make sure I can make it from the kitchen or the front room up the stairs so I don't trip on anything as I turn the lights off. Um, and I realize, because I, I learned that habit now because I've stepped on multiple things in the dark thinking it was a clear path. Um, but how many times have you had to do that? You're, you've got kids in the house. Or just, you know, you don't pick up after yourself so much, and there are things on the floor, it's dark, you step in it, or I step on it. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be able to go home today. Um, but, but, I mean, darkness, it locks everything out, right? Have you ever been in a cave or somewhere where you go with a flashlight, and then you turn all the lights off, and you can't even see your hand in front of your face? Like, darkness can be overwhelming. But aren't you glad and thankful that there's light? Um, and that there's light in my house, and I make sure I use it before I turn the lights off. Uh, we're going to take a look at this at today in John 8, 12 through 30. It's one of Jesus' next I am statements, that he is the light of the world. Um, and this has so much greater meaning for us just having lights on in the house, being able to see things, to avoid things. We're going to take a look at how serious this is, a life without light. Um, but Jesus kind of laying it all out, hoping that everyone's going to understand this. And we know from the past and, and going forward that not everyone's going to understand these statements that he makes. But here we are. Let me read John 8, 12 through 30 this morning. It says, I am the light of the world. Oh, that's my little subtitle. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, 
but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he who will die, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. Isn't that I mean, Jesus has been trying to tell them this whole time. And he's got greater patience than I do. Aren't you all glad? Um, so he said to them, yeah, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he, sent, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So here's a statement in, in verse 12, this I am statement that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, and that statement, I am the light of the world. And we see light as an important factor in our faith from the Old Testament all the way through, actually through the end of time, and our time of eternity in heaven. There's this Old Testament hope. Uh, Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So we know Christ doesn't come as a light uh, in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, there are images and, and things that God uses as light uh, to show and, and show who he is and in his power. We have the light in the wilderness. Uh, at nighttime, they follow the pillar of fire. Fire gives off light. Uh, the word of God is a lamp into, your, in, into my feet. So light is an important element. Turn with me to Isaiah 60, verses 19 and 20. And here's this prophecy that Isaiah is giving, but it shows what potential light is coming and what's going to happen. <clears throat> so Isaiah 60, verses 19 and 20 says, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. So not only the prophecy of Christ coming, but even beyond that, our eternity in heaven <clears throat> without darkness. And then we have this present hope. We have the light, and we're going to talk about that. We have Jesus now, today. We have access to the light. We have full access to who Christ is as our Savior and Lord. And in him we have life 
and we have light. <clears throat> and we have that access now. But we also have this future hope that's coming. So turn with me now to Revelation 22, all the way near the end. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. Because the light of life that we have in Christ Jesus is amazing. And we live this life for his glory and this light, but it's going to get so much better. So read with me Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. It says, Then the angel showed me the river, the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the city, of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, which its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is the light of, the, the light of life that Christ is talking about that we're going, to, we're going to receive. But we have Christ with us now, this light of life. And he says, whoever follows me. And this following is not just, hey, I'm going to tag along. I'm sure we've all played follow the leader as a child or with your little ones. You know, you try to have them follow you or you're trying to walk the dog. No, sorry, no more rosy stories. But, but following, it's more than just kind of tagging along. Oh, I see Jesus over there. I'll go over and, and follow him. It is so much more than that. We need to realize that Jesus says, I'm the light. Whoever follows me will have the light. We have Christ in us. We abide in him. He abides in us. This is, this is our savior that we have. We don't just have to follow as in tag along. No, our lives now are going to follow the leading and guiding and directing of Christ Jesus in our life. Um, he says that I am yours. I am your shepherd and your living water, your bread from heaven, your God and your light. You will have the light. Uh, and, and following me, when we follow Jesus, it is not easy. Uh, this is what he says to the disciples, right? He comes and he meets Simon, Peter, and Andrew and says, follow me. And what do they do? They give up everything. They leave their nets, they leave their career, and they follow Jesus. Uh, and then the Zebedee brothers not only left their, their nets, they left their boats, they left their father and family to follow Jesus. It is an all-or-nothing following when we are following Christ Jesus. Uh, and what does it cost? Everything. It is everything to follow and obey, to abandon our old selves, and to follow Christ as our Lord and Savior. He says to the disciples, and he calls to us, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So that is follow. So we have the light of the world. He asks us to follow him, to abide in him, to live in him. And when we do that, we won't walk in the darkness. Um, this is good because we're going to see in verse 24 that Jesus says, if you're living in the darkness and you have not received me as light, you do not see me as the son of God, you're going to die in your sins. Uh, you, have, you can choose darkness and death or light and life is what he's laying out. And so we're not going to walk in darkness. Our sins are forgiven. We're not going to die in our sins. 
And when we die, by the way, we will go where Jesus has gone to the Father. But if you have not received Christ, you're not going to be able to follow him, and you're not going to be able to go to the Father. You're going to end up in eternity in hell without the Father, without Christ as Savior and Lord. And yes, we don't live in the darkness anymore as believers, right? We live in the light. Well, then technically, if you're living in the light, shouldn't darkness just be gone? That would be amazing. But we still struggle, don't we? We still struggle with sin. We still struggle with the temptation of darkness, which on paper is insanity, right? If we know that the light is best and dark is bad, we still have that temptation uh, because our sin nature is so strong. But we have Christ. We have this light of life in us. Let me read to you 1 John 1, 5 through 6. It says, This is a message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And there are some here, possibly even this morning, that say, oh, I know Jesus. I, you know, I'm here, I'm singing these songs, I know the scripture, but they have decided to stay in the darkness. They haven't fully followed Christ as Savior and Lord. They're not in the light. Uh, and this passage is saying you can't just claim that you have the light and fully living in the darkness. But we have that temptation, don't we? We still blow it. We still sin. Uh, but we, our primary residence, our only residence is in the light with Christ in us. Um, and there are times we dabble in the darkness, but then we come back. Um, and so we have this desire in our life to not live in the darkness, but to live and pursue Christ with all of us. Uh, so we won't walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. And this light is Jesus. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the life. Uh, this life that we have is, is Christ. Uh, he abides in us, we in him. And if, we, if he is the light and we have that light in us, then we, we have this light, in which, by the way, have you ever tried to contain light? It doesn't quite work, does it? It tends, tends to seep out. Uh, similar to what we talked about with the living water, if Christ is in us, it is gushing forth. Uh, if Jesus is the light, the light is in us, we have the light of life, that light needs to exude from us. Uh, there needs to be no way to contain it. Um, it's almost like we are a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Um, it is why in the world would we hide this light under a bushel? No. Thank you. Some of you were at first service because it bombed bad first service. <laughs> okay, why would we put it under a bushel, under a basket? Here's the light of life. It is, if it is the greatest thing over the darkness, why are we not living this light out? Why are we not proclaiming this love of Christ to the world? Um, what an amazing gift that Christ has given us, not only for eternity in the light, uh, in heaven, but we have access to him now in this light. And so here we are with Jesus kind of laying it all out, right? It, everything's in this statement that explains who he is, what he's going to provide, what we avoid in our death, what he gives us, right? So now finally... Chapter 8, verse 13, the Pharisees are going to get it, right? Finally, they're, they're locked in. 
they're overwhelmed by this picture of light and, and we've talked about bread and water. No. What does verse 13 say? So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Seriously? Now, I get it. Not everyone is going to accept Christ. And that, that breaks my heart. That crushes Jesus' heart. We know these things. Um, but it doesn't make sense, does it? That we have access to God Almighty through the Son, by what he's done on the cross, and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have access to God, but there are still some who will not understand, who will utterly reject. So here the Pharisees are, this great celebration, and we could spend a month on just verse 12, uh, but they're not going to get it. They're tied up in this, the legalities of the law and Jesus. You're making proclamations by yourself without a witness, without testimony. And so they're basically saying, we don't believe you. You're lying. You don't have anything to back it up. And they're going off of possibly John 5 when Jesus, and now the law does say you have to have testimony. You have to have outside sources to be a witness to what you're saying, to back you up. And so here Jesus is basically giving a statement without any backup. And they say, you're bearing witness without testimony or without a witness. So what you're saying is not true. Back in John 5, Jesus did say, if I bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now he's following the law of man. Okay, Jesus doesn't have to follow. He's not bound by man's law. He is bound by himself and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Okay, but he's going to play along. So back in John 5, uh, he, he played by the rules. And in that statement, he did provide witnesses. Okay, he provided four witnesses in John 5. Uh, he provided John the Baptist, the miracles that he was performing, the Father, and then basically the Old Testament and Moses. Uh, all the prophecies spoke to who he was. So he had plenty of testimony then. And... You know, he, he realizes that for, for the Pharisees now, he kind of has to play by these rules, set out the law, which is a good law, by the way, right? You want some backup. If you're in court and testifying for someone, you want some testimony because, unfortunately, we, our default setting as humans is sin, which is to lie, right? How many parents in here have ever taught your child how to lie? right no one okay you you're trying to teach the opposite because it's a natural outcome okay of that you're gonna lie you know something happens oh i don't want to get in trouble i'm going to come up with this story no our natural default is to lie is to sin the natural default for christ is holiness and perfect his his perfectness and not being able to sin so his default stands alone and he doesn't need any testimony from any human being but he's going to go ahead and, and go along and jesus what he says is true always uh, verse look at verse 14 jesus answered even if i do bear witness about myself my testimony is true for i know where i came from and where i am going but you do not know where i come from or where i am going uh, and Jesus goes back to kind of playing the rules in verses 8, 17 and 18 with the law. 
Because what does verse 17 say? In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. You know, okay, let me provide some testimony. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So Jesus is like, fine, you want some witnesses? Well, here's one, the Father, who's God, by the way, right? That should be enough. And then he's like, and then myself, I'm going to testify for myself, who I am God, by the way, right? I mean, that should be enough, but it's not. The testimony and judgments of Jesus are true because of his relationship with God the Father. The Pharisees don't understand it. There are people today who to question the words of Jesus, who question the words of Scripture, and, and are thinking, nope, that can't be right. But here is Jesus with the testimony and judgments that he claims are true, and they are true because of God the Father, because of the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus as God with his statements that are true. His authority isn't from human origins. It's his relationship with God the Father. I don't know who it would be, who it would be today. world's in a little chaos. But think of who the most authoritative human being there is on the, on the planet right now. Just pick whoever you want to pick. We, we won't get into politics or whatever. But pick the most authoritative, trustworthy person in this world today. And that person's testimony or witness to, to Jesus is nothing compared to the Father. We've got to, we, we know these things, but we've got to understand how important this relationship with the Father and the Son are. Jesus is saying what I claim is that I speak from God and for God and as God. I don't need anyone else to testify for me. So he's trying to lay this out. What I'm explaining is true. But the Pharisees still aren't getting it. And so verse 21 to 24, he kind of gives warning, bluntly, um, kind of laying all this out. And this is for us as well. Let me read 21 through 24. It says, so he said to them again, I am going away. And you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So here's a warning in verse 21 that he's going away, which, going away, which means he's going to die He's going to rise again. He's going to return to the Father. And he's saying, you can't go where I am going unless you know who I am, unless you believe that I am the Son of God and abide in me. Because what if you don't, that means when you die, you're going to end up in hell, in eternity in hell because of your sins. Um, it is that black and white. Jesus gives us warning to them that if they continue to reject him as the light, reject him as the son of God, they will die in their sins. And by the way, Jesus is like, look, I understand you may not believe me now, but at someday you're going to understand who I am. Uh, verse 28 says, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. Okay, you're going to lift me up. You're going to crucify me, physically lifting up, I'm going to be glorified and lifted up to the Father. And he's saying, if you 
do not know me as your Savior and Lord, as your Messiah, you will then. Um, and we see that his time will finally have come, that his, his, his mission on earth to come, to save us, to die on the cross, to rise again will finally be accomplished. We even have the Roman soldiers seeing Christ crucified that would confess, truly, this man was the Son of God. He knows this is coming, and he knows that at some point, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Uh, and so he's like, either get with it now, or you're going to understand it later. Not that you're, you get salvation, but you will finally understand who I am. And here is the same black and white picture for us today. Here is the same thing that Christ has laid out, that you either are in the darkness and will die in your sins, or you are in the light and you have life in Christ Jesus. It is simply that simple, uh, that we are either separated from Jesus or united with him. And when we're separated, we can't go where he's going. And he's going back to the Father in heaven. We don't get to go with him if we have sin and we are choosing to live in the darkness. When it comes to following Jesus, there is no middle ground, ever. There's no other way. There are no other options. There are no other ways, no other religions, no other routes, no other thinking in our philosophies. No, Jesus is the only way. Salvation is a matter of life or death. And people who live in their sins and reject the Savior will die in their sins because the glory of God cannot handle sin. And it has to be paid for. And it only is paid for by the shed blood of Christ Jesus. We either receive salvation by grace or experience condemnation under God's law. We either walk in the light and have eternal life or walk in the darkness and experience eternal death. It is that simple. And it is that devastating. And there are people in this world who have no clue who Jesus is. And we have such an amazing opportunity as lights in this world to share the, the love of Jesus with those around us. The, this world is, is in complete chaos. It always has been. It always will be. It's because of sin. And we know the answer. The answer is Jesus. And we have an amazing responsibility not to just worship him and enjoy our time together and fellowship, those are all vital to our faith growth. But it is so much more that we have the light of Christ. We, there better not be a bushel or basket over this building for us to, to live this light out for the glory of Jesus. But when we believe we have eternal life, we have the light of life, we will be with Jesus forever. Let me close with this. We will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads. And night will be no more. We will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be our light. And we will reign forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. That you have reminded us of this relationship that you have given to us. Father, that, that we have access to Christ in us. That this light of life. Uh, that through him we have eternal life to spend with you. Father, I pray that as we hear these words and we know these things, that you just stir our hearts um, and, and stir our hearts for those who we know are lost and without you, who don't know you. Father, stir our hearts for the worship to just be amped up 
to where we can never thank you enough for all that you have given us. Uh, Father, for the opportunity that we have to learn more and, and believe more and to have our faith continue to grow in you. Uh, Father, thank you for loving us so amazingly. And as we go into this time of invitation that you speak to our hearts, that you listen uh, to our, our groans and the things in our mind and our heart, and we give them all over to you. Father, as we follow you completely abandoning all other things, Father, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.